we've been dealing with the last few weeks, whether you agree or disagree, it doesn't really matter. But God is sovereign and God is in control and you're not. And you can kick and scream. And he told the apostle Paul, why are you kicking against the pricks here? And now if you don't know what pricks were, it was a cattle chute. It was used for oxen, if you didn't know that. That, that all animals were born rebellious. So they had to put them in a chute. It was wide at the beginning and it made its way down and it narrowed. And it was just as narrow as the width of the calf's shoulder. So the calf would be young. It would go almost about two feet wide. And the idea was this, that it trained the calf to be still, an oxen calf. There is a difference. The Bible says, let not the oxen be married to the ass. One is dependable and, and one is not. Turn to somebody. No, don't you do that at all. Don't. But every beast is rebellious. They're born in rebellion. You, nobody taught you how to throw a fit. It came standard equipped with your nature. The doctor never looked at you and said, oh, you're beautiful. You know what he did? He smacked you a few times. But as the calf began to grow, that he began to back him from this prickly shoot until he got so big that he didn't need the constrictions of the briars. And that way the rancher or the farmer could use them to plow that he didn't have to tie him up. He didn't have to do anything. He just let go of the reins, go eat lunch, come back. And that oxen is still standing where he left him. Did you know that's what God intended for us to be as his children? Not only did he rejoice because one of the 99, one of the hundred repented, but he rejoiced because the 99 didn't go anywhere. And the word nine in the Bible is maturity. He's speaking maturity, maturity. The great thing, not only that God rejoices when, when someone repents, but I'll tell you, he rejoices when the 99 doesn't scatter in 99 different directions. And my job, my job is, is, is to remind you of the calling that God has placed upon your life. And if you're not aware of that, then you need to come see me. And if you've been serving for God for years, but there's still a hole in your heart and there's an emptiness and you go, you know, it's kind of like eating at McDonald's. I'm, I, I eat a bunch, but I'm still hungry. All those fillers. Then divine election and God's sovereignty is the very thing that will satisfy you. And we're not going to talk about that this morning. You can just take a deep breath. But Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says this. So if we are born again of God and we are called of God, remember I said last week, somebody said, well, I'm, I was born gay. I was born this. So was I. <laughs> we are all born in sin. You can just pick an addiction. You were born, you were born gay. You were born a murderer. You were born an adulterer. You were born all these things that was contrary to God. That's why we have to be born again. And if you're not born again by the Spirit of God, then you'll continue to dive off into those other things. So you've got to be, you've got to become a new creation through Christ Jesus. Cause you can just, you can just, you can just fake it for so long. But the real deal is coming out. It's kind of like, you know, those people trying to pat, pet panda bears. It's a great video. You look that up. People petting panda bears in the zoo. It didn't come out right. What part of bear do you not understand here? I understand it's a panda. But, the, but that last word is a bear. So the idea is, is that we've got to be born again. I'm born again by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. And so this morning, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you're born again of God, 
you will be led by the Spirit. If this is your first time here, if you are born again of God, you have no other choice to be led by the Spirit of God because the word led is in two directions. Number one, it's a go and agony. It's twofold, the word led. Oh, I know what you're saying. Oh, if I'm born again of God, it's just me and Jesus. And we got our own thing. You know, that's, that's the go part. But the other one is agony. Isn't it amazing that the Bible says while Jesus was praying, he said, my soul is in much agony. Here is a man, here is the son of God himself that is in perfect divine relationship with God, but yet his soul is vexed and in agony. And for any TV preacher to tell you, you won't have to be sick. You don't have to go through anything or, or, or suffer anything or, or suffer abandonment and loneliness and all those things. You better turn them people off. Because that what happens is if we are, if you are born again of God and if you are a son or a son and daughter of God, you will be led by the spirit, period. Now, either you can go with him or he'll drag you kicking and screaming. But you're going. It's kind of like my boys. They were young. I say, get shoes on. We're going to town. I'm not going. Oh, really? Is that a fact? And it's amazing that that nerve on the back end is connected to the brain cell. Nowadays, that's what's wrong with our kids today, that you can't whip them. Well, we can. So for a man or a woman to say, well, I, here, I'm being honest with you. For, for a man and a woman to say that, because the Bible said in Romans chapter 9, who can resist his will? No man can. Did you hear what I said? Who can resist the will of God? No man can. You're not greater than God. And if you're born again of God, then, then what? You will be led by the Spirit of God. And either you can go with him or he'll drag you in agony, kicking and screaming. And I'm going to encourage you to do the first. Just go with him. Walk with him. Get in agreement with him. And I'll tell you, life is, is, a, lot, is a lot easier. You see kids at mall, you know, they're pouting. And you know that you know they got in trouble because they didn't want to be there. But they're going anyway. So for years and years and years, I wanted to do it my own way. I thought of my do my own way. The similar to God taught me a way. And I'll tell you, I was kicking and screaming and kicking and screaming until really God changed that one brain cell in my mind. And I finally got it. I am the son of God and I'm going to serve him. And it's the word called doulos. It's a slave. You're a slave to God. I know that hurts some of your feelings, but the word servant is a slave. And I'm a slave to him. And whatever he says and whatever he asks me to do, that's what I'm going to do with a willing heart. And I know that comes over time and maturity. I understand that. But we're here today to honor God in our, in our mind, speech, and our body. If you are a son or daughter of God, you're going to go. So what happens is, if I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God, and I am, and I am, that it doesn't mean that everything's going to go exactly the way you had it planned out. You know how this goes. When you get saved, you make God out of list and say, here, this is what I want. And God just laughs and rips it up. And he said, just get in line and follow me. That's what he does. If I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God, then I cannot follow certain things. No man can serve two masters. Bitter and sweet water cannot come out of your mouth. 
So you are going to be a slave to one of them. And we that are born again of God and been called by God and designed by God and the word beloved, it means the object of God's love, the word beloved. It means you are the target and God hits you dead center with his love. You didn't decide. You, God may work through your faith, but God did not work because of your faith. We were dead in sins and trespasses until God woke us out of, out of our sins. Necros is the word where we get for a corpse. Dead people can't say anything. But it is God through his riches and mercy that he called us into a marvelous life. So by that, if I'm going to follow him, which I am, where we get a word in the Greek for mimetus, it, it's imitate. If I'm going to follow him, then evidently there's some things I cannot follow. That's the problem with most of you here, including me, going through the years. I, I, I wanted to do God's will. I just wanted to do it my way. Have you ever went to Burger King lately? It's great. This guy on the microphone goes, welcome to Burger King, you rule. That's what he says. You rule. It's almost like, I rule. I'm somebody. I'm important. I'm the man. It's, it's amazing. So the idea this morning, if I'm going to follow him and if I'm going to be led by him, which I am, whether I go in agreement or kicking and screaming, then there's some things that I can't follow. Number one, I can't follow culture as a believer. I cannot follow culture today. Religious traditions, trends, standards, fabrications. I can't follow it. Now, I know some of you think that I, I'm, I'm really an angry person. I am not. I'm really a nice guy. I was really happy before I met some of you. I was really in good shape. But if I'm going to follow him, and if I'm going to be like him, then evidently I can't follow other things. Because the Bible says that a double-minded man, Hegestos, is unstable in his ways. James says it. And if you don't know what that means, Hegestos was a Greek mythology monster that was one body with two heads. And one head said... Let's go to Walmart. And the other head said, let's go to Kmart. And they constantly argue with one another. And because they're constantly arguing with one another, that it went nowhere. Sometimes we're paralyzed because we don't understand this principle. We must be led by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God can be found in the Word of God. And we're going to talk about that. So don't, say, don't think you can go home and lock yourself in a closet and turn on a... Um, some music and light a candle and God will speak to you. More than likely, that's not going to happen. You'll burn the closet down. So don't do that. The idea this morning that if I'm going to follow him, then I can't follow culture, religious traditions and trends. So let me explain to you what that means. In St. John chapter 2, verse 16, the word culture. And he said unto them that Jesus, when he's cleaning out the temple, and he said unto the soul doves, take these things from here, and quit making my house, my father's house, a house of merchandise. It's called emporiums. Emporiums. And by definition, the Greek, it's the latest and the greatest gadgets and gimmicks. The church has become an emporium. One of the great, we know this in the church, what was the problem was, the reason why he cleaned up the temple twice, on his way in and on his way out of this world. But the problem was, is that, that they sold doves and pigeons, which was they were not supposed to. 
They were supposed to take the animal, raise it all year long and bring it to the temple. They didn't have to have any daily sacrifice. They could live like hell if they wanted to. All they had to do is show up a certain day by doves or pigeons or goats according to your tax bracket and you're good to go. But that's not what Exodus said. Exodus said, you are to raise the lamb. You are to raise the goat. You are to take care of the birds all year long. You need to be faithful and responsible all year long. And all year long, you'll take care of them and be committed to these animals and then bring them to the temple. But, but that was no longer a, a responsibility they had to do. So all they had to do was just show up for church and, 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 and turn the tables over with the funny money. The funny money was tax money. It was like going to Chuck E. Cheese. You go to Chuck E. Cheese, you give them $5 or $100 or whatever, according to your grandkids, and, and they give you little coins. And those coins will work wherever that mouse has a machine, but that coin will not work into the world. You can't take that same coin that worked at Chuck E. Cheese and go to Brahm and say, here, here's a banana split and here's $10 worth of Chuck E. Cheese coupons. Don't you see that it's so important? It's not what we do here. The reason why he got angry, because he said, what you're doing will not work in the world. You just got a game going on. You crank the music up. You, you, you pat one nerd on the back. You got your shouts. You got your binoculars. But, but what you're doing here will only work here. Oh, we had a great service. Woo, it was so good. The preacher didn't preach. You don't know what some of you don't know what that means, but... Oh, we ran around the building. Oh, it was great. There, there was no preaching of the word. Did you know that the preaching of the word is the priority of what this thing is all about? And so what must work in the world is honor and integrity and truth and honesty, dependability, reliability, the things of God, the kingdom of God. These things, what we're doing, we're learning how to be men and women of God. And when we learn to do that, we can be honest with one another. We can be upright with one another. We don't trick one another. We do the right thing. It, it makes a difference. They don't care if you speak in tongues. They don't care if you run around the building. Who cares? If, if you shortchange them or lie to them, whatever you do in the church doesn't matter true because you've lost your witness so culture i can't follow so let, let me explain this to you before we go on this is really important um did you know the word lucifer is only found one time in the bible that's true isaiah chapter number 14 verse 12 let's look at it god says you're fallen from heaven O lucifer son of the morning and how thou cut down to the ground which thou did weaken the nation halio is the word for lucifer it means Brightness, something shiny, means morning star. It means eye-catching. Now, if you wasn't here about a year ago, I talked about the serpent in the garden. He really wasn't a snake. He was an eye-catcher. And that, that really blows some of your mind. You're still looking for a snake. Something that caught his eye. It was, it was a glimmer. The Greek translation of this word that's found is called false phanos. False is light. Phanos is to bear light. You put them together. Lucifer was referred to as someone that bears light. Morning star. This will make sense to you in a moment. Stars are only reflectors. They have no power within themselves. They're reflectors. 
But Lucifer crossed the border. He crossed the line. And Ezekiel says that he was covered with the stones of garden and he was a reflector of of the colors of God. But when he was removed from the presence of God, he turned out to be just plain mean and ugly. You're only beautiful when you're in the right relationship with God. But when you get out of relationship, God, nobody can be stand to be around you. You're mean, you're hateful, you're angry, you're bitter. You can go ahead and fill in the blanks. I don't care. But when you're in the presence of the kingdom of God and the glory of God, you're pretty nice looking. You're, you smell good. You look good. At, because, and that's what's happened. And he referred to him as Lucifer or one that carried brightness or one that shined only because he was in the right relationship with God. There was nothing in him. Matter of fact, matter of fact, let's go on. But for St. John chapter 1, 6 through 8, watch this. And there was a man sent by God whose name was John, John the Baptist. The same came to be witness to bear light of the light that all men through him might believe. Now watch this, that he was not that light, but he was to bear witness of that light. Now, now, st- just, just stay with me. John the Baptist did not fall into the same trap as Lucifer. John the Baptist said, I'm here to bear witness to the light. I'm not the light. If you think water baptism has saved you, this verse right here debunked that theory. Let me back that up. I'm going to say a little bit louder to you. If you were taught that water baptism was some type of a, not necessarily confirmation, but it it was the turning point of your life to be baptized in water, this scripture right here will debunk that. John said, even though I baptize you, but what I'm doing is not the real light. I'm just here to reflect the real light to come. Only Christ is the light. Lucifer, Lucifer, by definition of his name, he referred to himself as one that bears light. And the apostle Paul said, even Satan comes as ministers of light. Isn't it amazing when we go back to culture, watch this, going back to culture, something that's flashy, something that's bright, something that's eye-catching. We got smoke machines. We got strobe lights. We got rock and roll guitars. We got it everywhere. We got cannons going off the church and we're going, we're spiritually going squirrel. I mean, it's wonderful. But it's probably not God. You know how I know the Bible is true? That's a trick question. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 says this, the time will come when the people will not endure sound doctrine. You know what the key word of that is? A couple of them, one is endure. Hupomeno. They can't take it. You know how I know the Bible is true? Because I've had people the last 35, 36 years come in here and we don't have smoke machines. We don't have strobe lights. We don't have air guitars. We don't have people on roller skates running around. We don't do anything crazy or goofy. We preach biblical principles and we try to be honest and upright with one another. But here's the deal. You have people that cannot, cannot endure sound teaching. (laughs) They can't take it. Oh, I know this is exciting for you, but they can't take it. Oh, they can take it for a little bit and off they go. Where'd they go? They can't endure sound doctrine. The Bible is true because this scripture is coming to pass now. 
People no longer can endure the sound teaching. You're more interested in, in, in the method of the minister than the message of the minister. You're more interested in my teeth is white and my shoes are polished and my hair is all whatever. Style over sermon. And I'm here to tell you the Bible is true because I'm not saying you are. I'm just telling you in this church in the last 30 something years, people, all we do here is talk about the greatness of Christ and the glory of God. And that's it. We don't stroke one another and we're not going to lie to you about certain things. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, around verse 26 or so, um, he said, I left one of these guys on the island sick. I left him sick. And for some ministers to say that we should never be sick or have to be sick, they lied to you. There's things happen to us that we don't like and some things we can't help. But I'm here to tell you this morning that we've got to learn to endure sound doctrine. That Christ is Lord of all. God is sovereign in our life. And if we are born again of God, we will be led by the Spirit of God. So I can't follow culture. I can't follow culture. Somebody said, well, if, if, if you'll just join the church, I did, but nothing happened. If you'll just get baptized in water, your life will change. It didn't. If you'll just give more money, things will happen. Yeah, it, I understand. The only thing that can change a man is the person of Christ to come in and make us a new creation. So I cannot, I cannot follow culture. I can't follow gimmicks. I can't follow traditions. I can't follow fake money. I can't follow any of that. I'm only here to imitate and follow Christ. Can you agree with that? And if you don't like that, I'll give you a phone book of churches in town that'll probably stroke you, but we're not gonna, we're gonna follow Christ. Number two, I can't follow friends who are not following God. I can't. I can't follow you. I'm not going to do it. Paul says, only follow me as I follow him. We can have friends and Rehob and Ahab, you know this, Rehob's associates, but Ahab is lovers. Doesn't mean in a sexual way. It means we share the same soul. The apostle Paul said, of all the men that I know, Timothy, you and I are like souls. We're like hearted. Of all the men that I know, you and I share the same heart, like-minded or like-souled. This great thing, if you, you can have a lot of acquaintances, but if you can find someone that shares your heart, a hob one or two, you're very fortunate. Outside your, my wife. I'm very fortunate to have men that have the heart of God, that I enjoy being around them, talk about it. I don't, I don't have to talk about sports. I don't have to talk about anything. I want to talk about the nature of God. You can't, you can't say good morning to Don Epler back there. He said, God is great, and I'm on my way to heaven, and you know? It don't matter where he's at. He does that at the lumberyard. Took in lumberyard with me. And, 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 and I, he was over there preaching to the work hands. I said, come on, Don, we got to go. <laughs> I can't follow other outside spiritual sources, such as horoscopes, tea leaves, reading of the palms, crystal balls, psychic network, and all the mediums. Can't do it. Can't follow if I'm going to be led of the Spirit of God and follow Him, that I, number one, I can't follow culture and traditions of what the Baptist, the Methodist, the Assembly of God, the Pentecost, and you just name them all. Name them all. I can't follow friends that are not following God. I can't, I can't walk together unless two be in agreement. We can't walk together. Can't do it. And number three, I'm sure enough, I'm going to read horoscopes to find out what I need to do today. Tea leaves. Crystal balls, 
socket networks, mediums, you know. Got Saul in trouble. Saul was in complete rebellion against God. God shut the heavens up to him. God said, I'm not even talking to you. Yakety yak, I'm not talking back. So what did he do? He went and found him a witch. Hear me loud and clear. Hear me loud and clear. People come to this church and live in, live in six days a week in rebellion against God. And God ain't speaking to you. And so what you do, you go find you a witch. You go find you somebody who want to tell you what you want to hear. Are you listening to me? Okay. That's what you do. And see where that got you. Oh, he's just a knucklehead. I probably am. Oh, he's square. I'm sure I am. But I'm here to tell you this morning that, that, that when we get back in a relationship with God, we're going to find out this morning that God really wants to have a conversation with us. Absolutely. So if, if we're going to be led of God, then we're going to have to, we cannot follow these. And last but certainly not least, I cannot trust my own feelings. Ooh, I don't trust myself. Somebody say, just follow your heart. Just let your conscience be your guide. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I don't even trust myself. That shocks some of you. I don't trust myself. It's the people that work for OG&E says, I'm not afraid of anything. They die being electrocuted. But it's the people said, I'm scared to death of electricity. They make sure the gloves are good and they have the boots on and they make sure they take their time. Those people live to retire. Oh, I'm not afraid of anything. God will keep me. Really? Just jump off the pinnacle, he's saying, God will catch you. His angels will have charge over you. And he said, don't you tempt the Lord your God. Are you kidding me? Trust myself. Let's see what the scripture says. Jeremiah 17 and 9. Watch this. The heart is deceitful above all things. It says right there, Danny DeVore, you're the biggest rat in the church. And your heart is so desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can figure it out? Who knows what your heart's going to do? You're apt to do anything. My heart is wicked. Are you listening to me? Your heart is wicked. It's deceitful. You can't trust your heart. Somebody said, oh, I have peace about it. You've been listening to the Eagle song. I got that easy feeling that won't let me down. Did you know Jesus and, Je- Jesus and Jonah both were in a storm and both of them were sound asleep? One was in complete agreement with God and one is in complete rebellion against God. Don't substitute because you got peace about it. it means that you're in a right relationship with the Spirit of God. So that warm, fuzzy feeling that you have, all that really might be is your conscience has been seared and it doesn't bother you. The Bible says about Israel, sin was so prevalent that time, they didn't even blush when they sinned. Sound like today, doesn't it? Kind of sound like today? And you have people like myself standing up for righteousness, kind of like Brother Noah. He was a preacher of righteousness for a hundred and some odd years. He preached, and what's this? He preached, and he built a boat. He preached, and he built a boat, and nobody repented. How encouraging is that? The newspaper come out, Noah, you got this thing built. I mean, you, you've been preaching. You preach in the morning for a while and you work on a boat. By the way, for the last hundred something years, the papers want to know how many people has believed your message of righteousness? Goose egg. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, listen, 
We all get caught in the trap of how many people you led to Christ. I'm not even going to get on that message. I'm telling you right now that it's possible and probable that you build and you work and you grow the kingdom of God and you're doing everything you can and nobody around you is changing, but you still continue to labor and you still continue to work in the kingdom. And I preaching righteousness that Christ is Lord of all. And people will mark you and they say, well, if there's nobody the church is not growing and, and you, nobody's getting saved. Well, then you must be a failure. And that's the culture going back to religious traditions. I'm telling you, Noah said it. He was a preacher of righteousness, being right with God. And yet for a hundred years, yet no one changed. But he still kept his service for God. You understand me? Whether my kids agree, my neighbors come into agreement whether my family lines up or not, it doesn't really matter. God has called me to do his work. God has called me to be a preacher of righteousness. And that's exactly what I'll do. Whether you agree or whether you disagree, whether you come, whether you go, it doesn't matter. It doesn't relieve me from the responsibility of declaring the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. So I want to show you something this morning. The reason why I don't trust myself the Bible is so full of stuff. It's so good. Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 and 17. He's speaking to Simon Peter. The only reason why Peter opens his mouth is just change feet. So Simon Peter answered and said, Jesus said, who did men say that I am? And, and, and you know, they go, well, some, some say he's like, you're Elijah. Really? You're a little, why? Well, you're a little rough around the edges. They're a little afraid of you. They're afraid to call them fire from heaven. And some say you're like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. You, you cry, you're tender, you're gentle. You're very kind. And Jesus said, and then this is some like you're the other prophets. And Jesus said, so who do you say that I am? And it got, it got, it got graveyard quiet. And all of a sudden Peter spoke up. I don't know why he speaks up because every time he speaks up is wrong. But he said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus turned to him and he said this. He said, blessed are you son of Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. He said, you didn't learn that in Sunday school. You didn't learn that at church. What you just said, my father revealed it to you. It was a supernatural revelation upon that rock, not Petros, but Petra upon the rock of revelation, who I am. I'm going to build my church. Somebody asked me today, and I want you to hear me. If you're, if you're a former Catholic or a recovered Catholic, I want you to hear me. Somebody said, was Jesus God? Yes and no. God was in him, but the flesh was not. Because if that was the point, then the Pope has right to claim that his flesh is deity. Yeah. Was he God? Absolutely. Absolutely. God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. But don't get it confused with the fleshly side. Even though the fleshly came to identify with humanity. But if that's the deal, then that's why the Pope calls himself vicarious fellow. I am the Holy One. I am deity in the flesh. So the idea this morning is that Peter says that, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And God says, or Jesus said to him, He said, You didn't learn this church. You didn't learn this through praise and worship. You didn't learn this through anything. My Father revealed this to you. And you know what Peter did? He went like this. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's read five verses later. Yeah, here we go. 
But then Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, because you are an offense to me. We inherited the genetics of good old Simon Peter. I mean, Sunday morning, we get it right. And Sunday, when we leave the parking lot, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You know why I don't trust myself? It's because I'm capable of doing just that. I mean, I mean, at one moment, I got it right, and then you find yourself the next day, you got it all wrong. And I wrote in here, but even when you make mistakes, people do not drown because they fall into the water. People drown because they stayed there. The Bible says that a righteous man may fall six times, but he'll get up seven. So if... If I'm going to be led by God or the Spirit of God, if I'm going to be in agreement with God, then I must become, number one, an active follower of God's written word. Now, we're going somewhere. Stay with me. I'm a preacher. I'm charging you by the hour, so I need a full hour. If you are a son or daughter of God, you must be a follower of God's whole written word. Don't be picking out a few verses in the Old Testament that is not applicable in context with what we're talking about. The Bible says Judas hung himself and somewhere else says, go and do you likewise. We know that's not what we're supposed to do. I've got to be a follower of God's written word. Why? Psalms chapter 40, verse eight. My God, I want to do what you want. Your teachings are in my heart. I want to do what you want. Your teachings, your word is in my heart. What causes us to want to follow the word of God and the will of God is because the word of God's in us. God's will can be found in God's word. If you are not a good student of the word of God, then you're going to struggle knowing the will of God. Trust me. I wrote it here, stop listening for a voice and start looking for a verse. Stop listening. Stop looking for a voice and start looking for a verse. And there's nothing wrong with God speaking to you. We're going to find this out. But, it, but if it doesn't, God will never contradict his word. And when you open your Bibles, God opens his mouth. And if God hasn't spoke to you lately, it's probably because you have never really took the time to read the word of God with an open heart. Thank you for shouting me down. Matter of fact, Psalms 119 verse 33 says this. It says, guide my steps by your word, so I will not be overcome by evil. Watch what it says. Guide my steps by your word, that I will not be overcome by evil. Guide my steps by your word. How do we overcome evil? Somebody said, well, Revelation said, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of the Testament. I understand that. But it is through the word of God, the written word of God. If you want God to speak to you, then open up your Bibles. A true prophet, somebody asked me Wednesday night, is there prophets today? 
as long as they're re-saying what God has already said. Foretell, not foretell, foretell, F-O-R-T-H. They're a foretell like predicted future and foretell. Am I a prophet? I am. Not because I'm predicting you the future, it's because all I'm doing is repeating what God has already said. And to you, that's boring. But to some of us, it is the word of God that keeps our steps and that keep us being overcome evil. And number two, I've got to develop a lifestyle of having great faith in God. Now, I don't know about you, but that Siri business, that's weird. That's a weird deal. I mean, back then we used to have paper maps. How many remember the paper maps? I loved them. This generation said, what is a paper map? Well, it was a map that that was about this big and you can unfold it and it was as big as a bed sheet going down the road, you know. It wasn't so much of trying to read it, it was trying to get it folded back right. And not only could I, it would not, when I got through folding it back up, not only would it not go in the glove compartment, it wouldn't even fit in the trunk. You know. And so you say, hey, Siri. Gail and I will go somewhere, we'll travel somewhere that we've never been before, and, and I'm not really lost. I just take the scenic route, you know. And, and so finally, Gail said, well, ask Siri. I said, I'm not talking to that woman. I don't even listen to you. But, and, and, and so you ask Siri, and, she, and you'd have no idea what she said at the next stop, I turn left. Now, I'm going to make fun of this, but I, I don't grab Gail by the hand and say, the Bible says that two or three shall agree that we can have anything. Let's pray and make sure she's right. You know what I do? I just turn left. Go 100 feet and turn right. I don't know how she knows. I, well, I do know how she knows. But isn't it amazing when I say that? But to ask Siri for directions is one thing, but to follow those instructions blindly is another. Now I do argue with her. I do. I do. One time I called her an idiot. You know what she said? That's not nice. That's my wife. I missed a turn in Houston one time. And she goes, turn left, turn left. I said, I am. I said, idiot. She goes, that's not nice. But isn't it amazing that a computer can give us instructions when we're lost and we don't know where we are? And we'll follow those instructions blindly without questioning. But boy, when it comes to God, we've got to have a prayer partner. We've got to get find three or four or five people that's in agreement. If the word of God says stop doing this and stop doing that, that then we've got to find somebody and say, well, what do you think God means by this? If you ask me, I would say God says stop doing that. Well, I, I want to ask somebody else. Well, just help yourself. It, isn't it amazing? If I'm going to follow God, I must learn to have this great confidence in God and that his word will never veer me in the wrong direction. I can trust God. I can't trust myself and I can't trust you, but I can trust God. And lastly, but not least, that I must be confident that God will speak to me when I'm searching for truths and answers. Job 33 verses 14 through 16 says this. For God speaks again and again, and though people do not recognize it, 
He speaks in dreams and in visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon people as they lie in their beds. He whispers in their ears and terrifies them with warnings or he tells them of warnings to come. The reason why dreams and visions back there were so important, if you don't know this, but, but here's the deal, that when you first get born again and get to know God, he, he speaks to you a lot in, in your dreams because it's your, your mind is in a place of rest and it's not battling God. That's the difference between dreams and visions. But as you grow and mature and learn to trust God, you can be upright and you can be talking and driving down the road and having a conversation. The Holy Spirit can speak to you. And immediately, even though you're having a conversation, that you'll hear the Spirit of God and you go, yes, I understand. Because some of you, not all of you, this section over here on the front row, they are so hard hearted and stubborn-minded that God has to knock them out with spiritual NyQuil just to talk to them. But He'll speak to you. He'll speak to you. He said, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, go this way. Isaiah said it. He said, way before the working of the mechanics of the Holy Spirit, but the day will come where you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way you should go. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the original Siri in our hearts. It's called the Holy Spirit. He leads, guides, directs, informs, corrects, instructs. You can trust the Holy Spirit of God. You can trust the Word of God no matter what you're facing today. There's nothing that you're facing today that the Bible doesn't address it. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing new under the sun. Matter of fact, that this flat earth, round earth business, you know, all I know is Isaiah 40 says this, that the sun sets upon the circle of the earth. That's all I need to know. That's how come Come Columbus knew to go. Somebody read him that scripture. He goes, well, I believe the word of God more than I believe anything. And if the Bible says the sun sets upon the circle of the earth, then evidently the earth is round. So off I go. I think it's Isaiah 46. So I've got to be confident that when I'm searching for truth or answers that God will speak to me. Now watch this. Psalm 77, verse 16 and 17, 16 through 19. I want to show you something we're going to go. This is when Moses was leaving out. Egypt is a type of being delivered from sin. The blood was applied to the doorpost. And even though they come in and out, and as you know this, but they come in and out nine different times by, by gimmicks and tricks and, and, and things. But, but, but Pharaoh always brought them back feelings and goosebumps and if you'll say this repeat this all you got to do is stand on your right foot and, and and things will change and you find out that doesn't change anything but it was on the 10th tide that the blood was applied that's what set them free and for nine different times and occasions that certain things happened that God's hand the punishment was upon Egypt and they left and they got so far off and, and Pharaoh went and drugged them back and I know some of you this morning are tired of playing religious games. Boy, I got tired. 
I was raised in church that if you'll do this, your life will change. If you'll do that, if you'll just go beat down doors and, and knock on doors and hand out letters and, and harass people, you'll be changed. And all I did was got bloody knuckles and a, and, and a lot of angry people. There was only one thing that could change me, and that was the blood of Christ applied to my life. That's it. But on that 10th time when they left out, the Bible says, and when the Red Sea saw you, Oh God, its waters look and tremble. Watch this. The clouds poured down rain and the thunder rubble in the sky and your airs of lightning did flash. Now watch this. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind and the lightning lit up the world and the earth trembled and it shook. But your road led through the sea your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway that no one knew was there. God not only has a plan for our lives, but God has a path for our lives as well. It's a secret path that is only known by God. That's why we have to be led by the Spirit. You know this story better than I do. Boy, they were excited to get out of Egypt. Three days with the journey. They were so excited. No more whips on their back. No more onions and leeks. Boy, better days are ahead. And they heard the horns blasting from Pharaoh's army. They knew that he was coming. Once again, they'd been a recipient of that. And Moses said this, follow me. And they followed him. And when they topped the hill, all they saw was the Red Sea, a body of water about three quarters of a mile wide or more. And standing on the bank, these millions of people standing on the bank of the water, I know what you're thinking. They said, yeah, you're the man. We're, we're, we're in great shape here. We knew we could trust you. And that's not what the Bible said. The Bible said they wanted to kill him right there. I know some of you for the last 30 years wanted to kill me, but I'm glad you didn't. Boy, they wanted his head because they were standing on the bank of impossibility. Now watch this. But Moses was led by God and he said, there is a path that's only known by God. It was a secret path through the Red Sea that no one could see, but God could see it. And when Moses placed the staff into the waters, guess what happened? the path was revealed and the people went across and Pharaoh's army was drowned. God not only has a plan for your life, but he has a pathway for your life. And it's a secret path that maybe at the moment you don't see it. But just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. That's why we have to be led of the Holy Spirit. This morning, you might have come here defeated, depressed, broke, financially bankrupt, mentally broke down. I understand. 
You might have just barely got in here. Somebody had to carry you in here because of the confusion, the chaos in your life and what you're going to go home to. I understand, but I'm here to tell you right now that you have got to learn to trust God and follow Him. And sometimes He'll take you to a place where you say, this doesn't make sense until God clears the path for you. We're going to be led by God. We're going to learn to trust His Word. We're going to learn to trust His voice. And we're going to learn to follow Him. And if we'll do that, the God will guide our steps. Agreed? If you'll say agreed, I'll quit, huh? Agreed. Give the Lord a praise offering this morning, would you? You can stand with me today. God is so good. I just want to tell you from my own personal experience, I got so tired of people giving me wrong directions. I can't tell you how tired I got going in the wrong directions when I first got in church. I was so wore out. But Jesus said, I, I come to, to save and seek and save the lost. And the word lost in the Greek means someone that has been given misdirections. Father, this morning that on my behalf, I'm so thankful that from the foundation of the earth that you called me and set me aside you opened up my ears that I would respond to your voice. You changed my nature. You moved into my heart. You applied the blood of your son Jesus to my life and now you have released the Holy Spirit working in my life to instruct, to guide, to inform, to teach, to instill all these things in my life. I'm so thankful for the word of God that I have available in my life that helps me, it guides me. And sometimes when the heavens becomes brass and I don't hear things that I can open up your word and your word speaks volumes to me. The very thing that I'm going through, it's amazing I can find it in your word. Whether it be a lonely heart or a wandering child or an empty nest, whatever it may be, God, you know. And so way before the earth even began that your word Jesus had existed and that word become flesh and it became written and walked among all men how you knew what I would experience today. So you place certain scriptures in the Bible just for me for right now. How great you are. But I can't follow traditions and cultures. I can't follow religions. I can't follow friends that are not following you. And I sure enough can't follow my own heart. We have to learn to follow you. So in 2024, this is going to be the platform that we build and move this church forward is that we're going to be good students of your word. That you will lead us and guide us and direct us in all truth. And I'm confident this morning there are people here today that you're facing a situation that you've never faced before. It looks like it's a dead end road. It looks like it's too much to overcome. But I'm telling you, hear me this morning. You continue to follow God because He has a secret path for you.
and he'll open up the waters and he'll bring you to a place of safety. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the divine presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. Thank you for what you're doing to us and for us and through us on a regular basis. And we just honor you today in Jesus' name. And all the people of God say amen. Turn to about three people and say, I love you. I'm glad you're here this morning. I am a better person because of you. We're going to follow God together. Yes. Better days wait the kingdom of God. Yes. Communion servers, please make your way this morning. God has a secret plan for you. He's got a secret path for you, but you're going to have to follow him. You're going to have to trust him. That night, the Lord sat down with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup. If you're new here, we celebrate Holy Communion every time we gather because we've been commanded to. It's not a it's not a religious tradition. It's not a habit. It's not a ritual. We've been commanded because it is through the cup and the bread that we are reminded of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ that was shed for us. That's why we do it. He sat with his disciples that night. And he said in the first Passover that you took the unleavened bread. It was recorded in John 6 that the father reigned bread from heaven and your fathers did eat of it but they did hunger but jesus said i am the bread of life and if any man eats of me he'll never hunger again and they took the bread then he took the cup that third cup that night and he said in the first passover the lamb's blood was taken and was placed in the shape of a cross that when the death angel the abaddon came that night that it would pass over your home so too now i am the lamb of god that takes away the sins of the world and my father is about to take my blood in the place in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And if any man eat of this bread and drink of this cup, remember me. Father, we're living in a time right now where people cannot endure sound doctrine. They're allergic to it. But if there's any time in life's history that we need to be under an umbrella and a covering of true biblical teaching, not feelings, not anything but the truth that is today. So we celebrate Holy Communion once again through the divine order. In Jesus' name, amen.